Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 125. Gentlemen, I was doing some math. Do you realize we've been doing this for about two and a half years? No. Is that is that did I do no, the right good. math there? Because that sounds about right. It was 2019, right, when we started this thing, and then 2020, COVID came around, and then we started just you know keep doing it like on Google Meet. So. I was like, where did that time go? But anyway, yeah, as you hear, that's the Houdat Jedi Council with me. This is Dave and Fredo. Guys, how are we doing? Doing okay. Yeah, doing good, doing good. We were uh, having a conversation before we started about how old and tired we are. Um, so <laughs> then we realized I should start recording those for uh, for just outtake episodes. Um, but uh, you'll just have to guess what we're complaining about. Um so uh, let's see here. What's going on in uh, uh, non-Star Wars news? Tonight we're going to be talking about hating Star Wars. Um, we don't hate Star Wars, but we're going to talk about the people who hate Star Wars and the, kind of the history of hating Star Wars. Um, but uh, well, I, I, Dave may want to put in the... Uh, do you remember the old uh, Chappelle show, Player Haters Club thing, where everybody says going, hate, 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 hate. <laughs> That might be worth it for tonight. Um, no, I was. You guys have seen the the GIF. Of, I use it all the time on Twitter. It's uh, the GIF of the panda who knocks everything off the desk and grabs the computer and bang and beats the crap out of it. Um, yeah, that's the way I felt today when the alert came through from Bleacher Report that says Mike Thomas is on the pup list. It's like, oh, for <laughs> crying out loud! You know his his ankle must have like disintegrated or something because Jameis Winston is going to be ready to go by you know training camp but Mike Thomas is on the pup list again they say he's going to be ready to go like by training camp or part way through or something mm -hmm. I don't know but it's just like come on <laughs> I, I keep saying it my mindset is as long as they're ready to go for week one. Yeah, that's true. That's all I care about. That's true. If he's not missing any any uh, live fire, live actual football, I don't care. You know, you know he's particular for him because he's not a rookie. It's it's like I I had students like that where it's like you know, it they didn't need to be at rehearsal. You knew that they were going to show up. They're going to be able to play their part, and they're going to knock it out of the park. And it drove you crazy as as a teacher, but. You know, so I, Mike Thomas, I'm sure he he will be just fine. But it's just like, come on. Anyway, um, but we're getting closer. If, we're wor if you're worried about it, you can light a prayer candle for his ankle. Um, I'm just saying. Sure. Do I have to go to <laughs> Do I have to go down to Flirty Girl and buy one? Or oh, but in in, in other news, one with oh, this image on it. Okay, <laughs> one with this image. Two things. First of all, um, I also saw that uh, uh, Port Orleans has uh, they're bringing Gleason back, Gleason IPA. So that's getting back on tap um, uh, next week. But have you guys been to Courtyard Brewing uh, recently? Not in a while. Last no. time, they, it's been a few months. They have a London Porter that is to die for. I mean, I I, I like a porter. And I was like, I haven't had a porter in a while. And Britt and I haven't been to court, uh, Courtyard for a while. And I can't remember exactly which what it was called. I'd have to look it up. But they have like a London porter that was just like, 
oh my goodness, I don't even care that it's, you know, 98,000 degrees. This porter is the best beer I've had in a while. So, um, so yeah, go down there. If you like a porter, go down and, and try it. It's good. Good stuff. Um, so I, what, what do you got there, Dave? It's dark. Uh, soda and bourbon. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. I got water. I got coffee. <laughs> See? No no, the, no, no, no Irish coffee. No Irish coffee. The, the old man brigade here. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's... I got my Metamucil. <laughs> Let's uh, let's get into some uh, Star Wars trivia. Get our brain wrapped around uh, the old uh, galaxy far, far away. Um, Fredo, to you. I'll throw it to you first. Oh goodness, whose snowspeeder is crushed by the foot of an Imperial Walker? Well, uh, I'm pretty sure I know whose it is. But are we giving? Is it dual ownership? You just you do dual, yeah. Top billing, yeah. Top billing is Luke Skywalker, yeah. but uh, the only guy who got crushed was the remains of poor Dak, who uh, didn't make it out of there. Yeah. So Luke Skywalker was the answer. Yes, yes. That's kind of a. That seems like robot chicken uh, material potentially, though. Like if Dak had unexpectedly survived the electrocution well, especially <laughs> especially now that we know that the t-47s can fit you know in the back seat uh two full-grown adults and a 10 year old girl um so he probably had some he could have ducked and you know got out of the way of the crush zone um so yeah they could they could have something there um all right well dave to you who does Qui-Gon counsel to be mindful of the living force? Probably Obi-Wan. All right, so it is Obi-Wan. And so here's mm -hmm. what we need to do is we need to sit around and play this trivia game, actually, and just just see how quick we can all get all the pieces <laughs> of the pie and to the center and see how much of a stalemate it is. Um, these are kind of ridiculous. Uh, and to me, watch, then I'll get the answer wrong here. Um, who's the first character in the movies to mention the name Palpatine? I know this one, and it is Rick Oley. No, no. Oh, I, that's right. I don't know. Now I have to go back and watch The Phantom Menace. It says Padme Amidala. That would have been my guess. But Rick, o but Rick Oley's the one. Since no, he said, well, okay, he says they, Chancellor Valerum. See, I, just, I would have lost the Trivial Pursuit. And see, after that's how fate works, kids. Um, so anyway, yeah, okay, so I yeah, think. But they're around the, uh, the council chambers in Naboo before they get invaded. And he's like, you know, the ambassadors didn't arrive, but the Chancellor told me that they made contact. And it's like, then he cuts off and Padme's like, Senator Palpatine. And then they go, no, kind of uh, communication breakdown is a signal of invasion. Well, I hate the prequels, so, you know, whatever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, it's a good reminder, though, in the original trilogy, the name never comes up. No. Just He's not. always the emperor. No, mm -hmm. just always he is the emperor. The emperor. Um, all right. Well, let's get into into some some headlines. What do we got going in Star Wars world? 
Well, we'll start off with uh, probably the one that's easier to comment right now. Uh, San Diego Comic Con is back in person this weekend, and you're going to see a ton of film and images and TikToks and Instagram stories and all the other from people out there. Uh, Lucasfilm, Star Wars and Lucasfilm are back at Comic Con because they had, you know, Comic Con hadn't happened for the last couple of years, obviously, but even the last time it got held, it didn't. Uh, I don't think Lucasfilm was present there, but they're back. They have a whole pavilion. They have the Lucasfilm Pavilion, and uh, they're displaying costumes from Andor, Obi Wan Kenobi, Boba, the Book of Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, and I believe they're going to have, you know, at least the presence of some of the cast and actors from the likes of uh, Andor there for some of the events, and possibly I think Indiana Jones Five. So hopefully we'll see some footage or something i know there was a sizzle reel apparently for national treasure whatever that is going to be on disney plus um by the way can i hijack something here for a second i read something today because this isn't in your news but i'm guessing that this you know i'm obviously marvel will probably have a presence at uh Mm -hmm. um but uh first of all have we all seen all of uh miss marvel yes Dave, have you seen all of this? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm caught up. So the the post credit scene there, spoiler alert, when we have uh, Captain Marvel show up, well, kind of. Um, so I saw an article today that they said that there's going to be musical elements to the Marvels. Hmm, interesting. I don't know if this is going to... Yeah, Dave, that's kind of the face I made, too. Um, it's a... Uh, Fredo was being, you know, being nice about it. It's like, oh, interesting. You know, it's well, no, but well, here's what's, what's, you know, because Captain Marvel. I mean, th- there's dividing opinion about the movie. We'll we'll go no further than that because it gets a lot of hate. I'm speaking of a show about hate, I really. Like but it. what I find, yeah, anyway. but I, yeah, you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I'm, I think Dave will agree with us. He enjoyed it as well. But I also think that we're seeing a lot of these phase four movies not afraid to try new things so i wouldn't be surprised if they i mean it could, it could be something as simple as somebody stuck in an alternate dimension and they're stuck to perform a musical number so yeah it might I mean, not be that big there's yeah i don't want i don't want to dive down to or i i see i i agree with you that you've got it you do have to try some new things but that's like you know eating nothing but the blandest of bland food and saying, you know, Hey, you know what? Let's try something different. Let's go eat, you know, pick a cuisine. You know, it's just like, um, so I don't know. I, I my, my <laughs> like yeah. level, level three at the, at the, uh, uh tie secret tie. Right. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it. so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was, and of course, it wasn't official or anything like that. It was, you know, just rumors. But anyway, um, so yeah, it was. Oh, uh, before, you, before you do move on, just in general, who liked Miss Marvel? I loved it. Liked it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really good. It looked fun. It was awesome. It was okay. Great. So, like, oh. there ha- the the critique that's come out has been, if we're going to talk a little bit about it, has been mm-hmm. like, oh, it's not for me. <laughs> Very similar to uh, Turning Red, right? Um, mm-hmm. which which means we don't like adolescent have, girls it doesn't have to mirror your exact life experience to be relatable I, I give you exhibit A Star Wars 
<laughs> I, I didn't live on a moisture farm and, you know, and, you know, have to live in a galaxy far, far away to be able to relate to freaking Luke. I'm sorry. That's just that. Can I, can I, that can, irks me a little bit. Can I, can I go, can I go there for a second? I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to mm-hmm. go there. I have, this is just something as you were talking about this, this is a thought that came to my mind. I'm going to, can't wait to share this with Britt to see what she thinks. All that criticism of Miss Marvel. Do you think there would be the criticism if if Miss Marvel was say nineteen or twenty years old, and not just sixteen? Do you think that the that the uh, the the middle aged you know, younger middle aged white men who you know they might feel a little icky you know that they're watching you know. You see, you see where I'm going at here. Yeah, it's kind of, I, I get what you're you know, saying. It's like if if they would if they would have made if they would have made her like said you know of legal age, then it would have been okay to you know. I mean, I go back to I go back to what Freda was just talking about with Captain Marvel. I mean, like that character got all the criticism in the world because it was the actress yeah, and true. the character was seen as too woke. Yeah, um, and it's just. I, first of all, you know, mm-hmm. I am, I am, I'm not, you know, I'm not Muslim. I am, you know, uh, not a, an adolescent girl. Um, so if, if, yeah, really? Yeah. But, but however, totally loved. Isn't that, isn't that why you read and watch things is to try to empathize with somebody else and try to, you know, it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. They still have their same mother, daughter, you know, crap that you know that my sister and mom went through or whatever or that i've seen my students go or just to learn about something else it's like yeah anyway um so and and if i had any critique it was uh, it was little less that's it sometimes like feels like a bait and switch when it's like i'm watching a superhero movie but it's not about a super this isn't a superhero movie it's a it's a it's a family movie it's about family dynamics and all the superhero stuff is just set dressing, you know? Yeah, so. I will say, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I love the actress. I love the cast. I love the fact that they went away from the traditional angsty teenage drama that a lot of times comic books can fall into. I love the fact that this wasn't a question of whether or not it ended up not being a question of whether or not she was going to have to choose which side. It was about her embracing the multitude of, side that make up her uh, Kamala mm-hmm. uh, it was very colorful very engaging everybody was seemed to be having fun I learned a lot about yeah you were surprised I had no idea about the partition between India and Pakistan I didn't it's, either and actually my wife sat there my wife sat there on the couch looking at me like you don't know about the partition I was like no I'm sorry I didn't know about it and then that was like about two weeks later she was like apparently there's a lot of people that didn't know about the partition I was like you know Brit nobody not as many people like read books like one day, I, I, I saw know, somebody like... make the comparison to uh, Watchmen with um, mm. uh, you know the Tulsa massacre and as a mm. lot of people didn't know about that and this is where the power of pop culture can be beneficial because it's like you don't get told those stories in history class you have to go seek those stories out and yeah. you know and, that's exactly what Britt said you know and she, it, yeah. she's like yeah I mean it's like you're it's She's like, if, yeah, and if you go to, um, 
man, I mean, world history class is just, I mean, yeah, you're not touching on anything for very long. And if the word partition showed up, it showed up for about 10 seconds and you moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but, and like I said, she's she's just the smarter of the Swobodas. So, you know, <laughs> it's not surprising. But just the real world impact. I though. found it to be a really good show. That's good. Yeah, that's you know, good. again, like, these aren't real characters, but you, they're portrayed as real people that have real problems and, and, and to be able to relate to them on that level. Um, and again, like you talked about the family um, dynamics and the, 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 the issues of being pulled in different directions and having to make choices and living up uh, to just, expectations. Yeah. Yeah. The colorfulness of the whole, the whole thing. I thought, I thought it was great. That was good. All right. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I, de- I had us go on a tangent. All right. What else we got? Uh, what else we got? So speaking about colorfulness uh, and Marvel, we'll just tackle right quick that uh, this is from Deadline. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich, our good buddy Han Solo. Um, Solo. Is set to join the cast of Marvel's Ironheart. So for those of you who don't know, Ironheart is starring Dominic Thorne as Riri Williams, who kind of assumes the airship to uh, Iron Man's legacy in Marvel Comics, so that's coming for Disney+. Plus. So Alden's set to play... Uh, let's see. The, so, it's supposed to be... They announced it sometime in the presentation in 2020. has not been revealed who will be playing. Uh, so good news for him. Yeah, he, he goes from Star Wars to Marvel, continuing that tradition alive. Good, good for him. I like seeing him get roles <laughs> in the wake of what happened with Solo because um, he had a really good reputation prior to that movie and then he came out of that movie with a bad reputation. So I like seeing him bounce back a little bit. Uh, next on the news, uh, this one's from a few years ago. This one, uh, I'll give thanks to Tim Rupert, a listener who sent me this link and I had to share with you guys. And I'm sure you've heard of this before, but Hasbro has a program called the Selfie Series, where it's a new personalization platform <laughs> that will allow you to make yourself your own action figure. So yes, you can play with yourself, kids. <laughs> That's why they call it the Selfie Series, yeah. Um, so first of all, two things. When you sent this to me, is like, uh, I thought of the Big Bang episode where Howard and Raj, you know, get action figures made of themselves. Um, then they buy a 3d printer to do it. Uh, and then there was another one where there was a guy in the 501st who was doing this. He was basically, you know, taking, you would send him your picture and he would sculpt a head that kind of looked like you and then put it on the head of a stormtrooper. you know, so you would have, and I, I missed that run. That would have been kind of nifty to have, but it, this all is kind of, very voodoo-ish kind of creepy but um <laughs> well like i said so just to give you a rundown of some of the characters because it's not just star wars so you can put your head aaron you can be a mandalorian warrior stormtrooper an x-wing pilot or a rebel princess now you also have marvel's black panther black widow spider-man iron man you have a couple of uh rangers from mighty Morphin power rangers the pink or the red ranger you got a couple of Ghostbusters. You can put yourself as a male Ghostbuster, a female Ghostbuster. Or you can be either Scarlet or Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. So 
get some options there if you don't want to just make your own action 501st life-size, you know, you know, Hasbro figure. You can go be Snake Eyes if you want. Yeah, I'm going to pass. <laughs> I, uh, you know, what's funny is this does remind me of the time my wife uh, made me into a bobblehead. <laughs> Which was a really kind of fun gift for, um, you know, for work. I had this, I had a bobblehead on my desk. So she gave, she had another bobblehead made for me to match my previous bobblehead. And uh, this, this time using my uh, visage. And uh, it was, uh, it was rather hilarious. Did it was have that the long short beard? beard? Babe? Yeah, that's what I want to know. <laughs> I was, uh, I, you know, fully bearded. Uh, I probably had more long, hair. I had more be- hair though. Long beard or short beard? I think it was. I think it was a little, little, little tighter than I All have right. it now. Right now, I got, I got the great, long gray, gray beard. Gandalfing over here. <laughs> now we gotta. If you still got it anywhere, we need a picture of it to post online. <laughs> that'll be the that'll be the 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 image to go with this episode dave bobblehead nah man th- again this is patreon content right here we gotta <laughs> hold back the, the good stuff for for the patreon whatever that comes <laughs> okay last bit of news it's not really news it's more a rumor uh this was coming from the star wars only uh twitter feed actually it comes from star wars sits which is a spanish based uh man Star Wars content creator. They took a picture of some magazine where it showed the listing of all the upcoming Marvel, uh, Di- Star Wars shows, Disney Plus. So you had The Bad Batch, you know, Ted, season one, season two. Mandalorian, season one, season two, season three coming soon. Bad Batch, season two coming soon. Obi-Wan Kenobi available now. Andor coming soon. Then it lists The Book of Boba Fett, season one, available now. Season two, coming soon. So, are we getting a season two of Book of Boba Fett? And and that's a possible scoop that we may receive at Comic Con or later at D twenty three. I don't know. Um, but that you know, this would be a, a bit of news for Star Wars that the season two is coming. Well, it was the it? Tales of the Jedi that leaked uh, by something similar. It was like just a. Uh, well, actually, that was kind of a Lucasfilm inside gift that somebody noticed. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, again, there are people who are, you know, working on, you know, digital content and stuff like that all the time. Somebody may have pushed something early um, when they weren't supposed to. Um, but, uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, I, I, why and why would anybody, if, if you were going to fake something and try to, you know, get some click material why would book a boba fett season two be the thing you know what i mean it's like so i i I think it's probably legit i think it probably just it was pushed a little bit you know on an oopsie and uh i mean we still got a lot of we got short changed on fennec shand we got you know um there's there's a lot of stuff they can do um and not make it you know, Mando season 2.5 again. 
I, you know, that is that begs the question. What would you like to see in a in a book of Boba Fett season two? I, I mean, personally, I would love to see something that has nothing to do with that era of the character. I'd I'd want to see what's he up to. I still want to see the him. underworld stuff. You know, um, mm-hmm. the, the we were kind of promised. I mean, it seemed like we were promised, you know, a big um, Star Wars gangster, you know, gangster family feud type movie or, you know, show. And we did not get that. Um, so I not think, really. I think, you know, that you could, uh, we still have the, the Crimson Dawn stuff that could be a part of it. Um, that so. whole period between episode three and episode four was what I was going to go with. It's, it's just, mm-hmm. you don't know anything about that time period with this character. And I'd be interested in that. So two quick thoughts that kind of popped into my head uh, as where you guys are talking. First of all, I mean, it makes sense just from the standpoint of they spent a lot of effort bringing back Tamara Morrison to build back Boba Fett. And, you know, from what we know of the story where season three of Mandalorian is going, I don't think he's really going to be involved in that at all, if anything. He might make a guest appearance in one episode, but it's, you know, he's got his own situation on Tatooine to take care of. So I don't think they're going to shelve the character for years or then just to have a guest appearance like uh, much of the other cast. So it makes sense if you want to continue his story. Also, the other thing I was kind of thinking is if you want to tackle that period between episode three and episode four, who did we see at the celebration on the panel uh, with uh, all the episode two stars? Daniel Logan. (laughs) If you want to do a young Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett season two series, you could bring in Daniel to play the role as a 19, 20, 21 year old character. I, I think you'll I think you will get that. And Dave, you'll get your the stuff you want. I think you're going to get all that in Bad Batch season two. I'm still I'm going to double down on that. Um, live action wise, I don't see them exploring Boba Fett's backstory I don't I don't see that being a live action thing if they're going to do anything they're going to do with Tamara Morrison it's going to be post episode six and it's going to be that you know kind of kind of finish out his you know bookend I think Um, I'll I'll tell you the reason I go there and even list it as a possibility to potentially get people's hopes up uh, along with my own is is that they did the whole flashback thing in the first season and it was just all fl- it was like half flashback half yeah. present day and then a bunch of mando stuff <laughs> um if they wanted to go back to that kind of storytelling again where you're intercutting flashbacks to explain present behavior um i, I would think that would be the most fertile ground for them to mine in that way yeah I don't necessarily think, I mean, because that would be an easy way to kind of continue, because the name of the show is The Book of Boba Fett, so if you're telling tales or stories about the character, you know, you know, you want to bring in Boss Garaji. You're going to bring any of these other characters during his uh, Bounty Hunter days, you can do that. You have the access to do that. Uh, like I said, I just my one thing is, and I do agree with you, Aaron, because I think 
there's also going to be a push to kind of propel the character forward within the storyline as we've seen it on Disney+. Plus. I just don't know. I mean, we saw how out of steam season one was that, you know, by episode five when Here Comes Mando to save the day uh, in the eyes of some people. So I do think it, it makes some sense to kind of mix some of that in. But you're right. I could I could see where a lot of that stuff just kind of plays into Bad Batch season two, just because those two, the Boba Fett, uh, Omega, the Bad Batch, the clones—they're all intertwined yeah. in one way, shape, or form. Well, all right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about hating stuff. <laughs> and in particular, <laughs> hating Star Wars. Um, and so I'll, I'll throw this to Dave here in a second, but, um, I just want to preface it with something cause we all kind of grew up in, you know, we, we, we grew up basically in the same era. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm the oldest one here. Um, and, but so I, you know, I, I grew up, I was four years old when star Wars came out. And so it was, and I can tell you, I don't think, I don't, I don't remember anybody in elementary, junior high, even when we get to high school, nobody in my peer group or, you know, in, the, in my classmates. And stuff. I'm not talking about just my friends, but like, it didn't seem like Star Wars got run down really by anybody. Did you guys notice anything like that in, when you were growing up? It eventually, like high school age, became a little uncool, you know, in the way that D&D and things of that nature were uncool and more the purview of the geeks. Um, so that was kind of a thing that I recall. Um, I do remember Ewok blowback. People were just kind of like, eh, the whole, the Ewoks are too cute. And like, how are they taking down the empire? And that stretches credibility. Um, so th th those were my, my only real memories of there being like exact a pushback uh, against, against star Wars. Yeah. I'm trying to remember uh, because I was a few years behind you. I mean, return of the Jedi. I mean, I was a little kid still and, seven eight that kind of thing and uh i mean the ewoks hit me right right at the right moment so um i don't remember it there being any backlash per se just because it was different it just you got the movie you enjoyed the movie the movie went away and that was pretty much it i mean you maybe had action figures you maybe had a lunchbox and you could talk to some friends about it but there was always the next thing you know you know, after Return of the Jedi, it was Ghostbusters. After Ghostbusters, it was Masters of the Universe or Transformers or something else, you know. So you didn't have enough time to be worried about that other thing. It's still in the background and, you know, you run around with a plastic lightsaber or whatever. But it wasn't something, it really didn't come till I think, the 90s or thereabouts when I was old enough. And I was like, oh, that's like, like kind of like, uh, this. it's like, Oh, that's all nerdy stuff, and that's not cool. So, uh, so okay. So, like I said, I'll, okay. I'll toss it to Dave here um, to kind of start walking us through the timeline uh, of all this. Um, so, hit it. 
Yeah. So, spoiler alert with this discussion, it, it goes back to the very beginning, which is that this movie, when it first came out, was not universally loved in the way that some people might expect it to have been. Um, it did not win Best Picture, even though it was like this insane phenomenon. Yeah, it was a box to, office smash. Yeah. The most popular film to date at that time was star wars and the special effects were you know of a level that people had never seen before it was all kinds of you know technical breakthroughs and and jaw-dropping um just visual splendor um just taking people's breath away right and yet didn't win best picture uh, and some critics genuinely disliked it and thought it was a shallow piece of filmmaking. And I'll, I'll give you a quote um, from The New Yorker, which I, I think sort of encapsulates the, uh, the pushback against the film. There's no breather in the picture, no lyricism. The only attempt at beauty is in the double sunset. It's enjoyable on its own terms, but it's exhausting too, like taking a pack of kids to the circus. That's a painful, like, there's a lot of painful <laughs> punctuation in that quote, dude. Uh, so there is an interesting point there when he says there's no beauty except in the double sunset. And I, there, there's an argument to be made there. You know, that, I mean, the most of that, the, of the movie is dark and gray. And I think that's by design because it's, I mean, we're in the dark times, you know. Um, and, you and know most of the movie takes place within the Death Star, which yeah, is all right. So the dark, dark hallways and whatnot. But so. when you're but when you're coming out of a of a movie era that is like you know um, Lawrence of Arabia and you know Ben Hur, you know these, you know, just you know. It, I, I could see how it, it was like, even though you got all these special effects, it's like shocking. It's like, cause you, you just took away all the senses. Um, you know, so yeah. And I, I also think about this. Um, it's very much like, um, old people don't like what the kids like because <laughs> they don't understand it. You know what I mean? Or, and it's not necessarily they don't understand it, but it's like they feel left out. And I think as we go through these, I think, I think my big theme is going to be, you know, people throw rocks because they feel like they're being left out of something. You know, we have friends like that. that will kind of like kind of diss Star Wars a little bit, but they've never seen the movie. And, you know, so when we're making all these references and everything like that, they're, left out you know and so then you the only way to get attention is to throw a rock so um but uh, you know it was a drastic change in filmmaking i mean everybody was excited because george lucas did american graffiti which was all outdoors and it was you know shiny cars and you know and everything and then you go to star wars and it's 180 degrees so I could see the, the visceral reaction by um, critics. 
I, I just real quick before Dave continues, I think you make a salient point about the impact, the, the forced demand on people who have no interest in this kind of genre fare now being forced to confront it because otherwise you're out of the zeitgeist. Uh, it's almost, it's an interesting way. It's much in the same way what, as what happened to Titanic 20 some odd years later, where a lot of people just hated it because the fact that it was so popular, because it was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. And I think also, particularly as it pertains to Star Wars, we'll see its impact through media as we go along because, you know, the next year after Star Wars, we get Close Encounters and Superman. Year after that, you get Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers on TV. So the impact of Star Wars success is almost immediately followed up as everybody's trying to um, cash in on, on the big craze. And there's always going to be a certain element of people who are going to go, well, I, this is not really my thing. I don't really care for this. But now I have no choice because it's everywhere. I mean, I even remember there's a, uh, if anybody remembers Queen, the band, they even have a line in one of their songs that says, you know, I don't like Star Wars. Yeah. They flat out say, I don't like Star Wars because, you know, it's not their jam, which is fine. But you also go, in some ways, it's a rejection of what's in the psychosis that you have to connect in order to be aware of what everybody's talking about. First of all, I have to say that I think you are the only person in history to ever say that I had a salient point. Um, <laughs> the other thing I also want to bring up here is that one of my favorite quotes from Louis Armstrong is he said there's only there's only two types of music good music and bad music he said and if it makes you tap your toe then it's good music don't worry about it and and with all due respect to any you know any big jazz musicians who might be listening to this um i you know i've some of my best friends are jazz musicians and i will tell you that there are some of the more snobby music listeners because it's like what you <laughs> said dave that highbrow you know if it ain't if it ain't John Coltrane or if it ain't, you know, uh, Miles Davis, then they ain't trying hard enough type of thing. But it's like, sometimes you just like mbop, you know, it's like, it may, it, it makes you tap your toe. You know, it's like, like we've talked about before. It's like that McDonald's cheeseburger. And this, this first criticism of star Wars is that person who thinks that he should be getting his, you know, gourmet, you know, hamburger from wherever and he was handed a mcdonald's cheeseburger which he wasn't but um there's also there, like i said there's also that point of it that it's just at, people throw rocks because they think that it should, we should we should like higher brow stuff when it's like just just enjoy it man it's fun and you know so it's a recurring theme, and it's not just the rejection of Star Wars. It's the rejection of what you've been guys have been alluding to, which is the popular, the the big budget box office blockbuster, um, and like all the comic book stuff, like gets all of this blowback. Now you got the Scorsese crowd versus the comic book fans, and it's like, well, why can't you like both of those things? And the answer is, you can. So, uh... <laughs> and yet. Here we are. So what about Empire? What about Empire Strikes Back? Did, um, did it get any better? Interestingly, it scored worse among critics than the original Star Wars did when it came out. And I think there's a lot of revisionism 
with that. You go to Rotten Tomatoes today and you and you probably if you pull up the score now, Empire may actually be higher, uh, may have a better Rotten Tomatoes score. But that's because of all of the reviews that have rolled in over the last 30 years since the movie originally released. But when it did release, the reviews were worse. And it scored it also scored lower with audience members too because I think it was a significant departure from the first film. Big time. Stylistically, um thematically and it was heavier. Tonally, yeah. yeah, absolutely. A much heavier film. It wasn't universally welcomed. A lot of people were like, well, where was the Buck Rogers, uh, you know, shooting at each other in the hallways scene? And it's unfulfilling, so, too, with the cliffhanger and, you know, yeah. They didn't like the structure. There's Again, it was, um, it was seen as not having an, a proper ending or, or even a proper beginning. We've gone over that. Um, and I'll give you another quote, this this time from the New York Times. It's a big, expensive, time-consuming, essentially mechanical operation. The Empire Strikes Back is about as personal as a Christmas card from a bank. So, uh, Ouch. So, Dave, you, um, you have a uh, background in journalism. Um, are, do people decide i'm going to write a you know negative review of this because it's going to people people are going to read it more Mm. i mean i think i think maybe that statement would hold true today because you get more clicks with controversy um but in 1981 do you think that this person from the from the new york times did they set out to they were just going to write a negative review there's much there was much less incentive back then for that sort of thing as you just pointed out Uh, nowadays like you get rewarded with clicks you get rewarded with a lot of attention and retweets and things and so there's so much more incentive to go that route now but then there was a little bit of that back then and then some of it just came down to playing devil's advocate um there's there's an infamous critic and i forget his name uh who like every blockbuster that ever releases he goes against the crowd on every single review and like i think he was like the one guy that like reviewed toys gave toy story a negative review and you know like so like that's that's the badge of honor you know like i'm the voice of dissent i don't agree with everyone else you know and i think there's something to that um psychologically for people it's like that's my brand i'm i'm the dissenter so here's what okay so i want to go back to something fredo said earlier and it's something we've said on the podcast before as well is that um who are these movies made for because to your point earlier fredo it's like i remember you know you you went to the movie you enjoyed it you left the movie and then you went on and did other kid things you know what you know what i mean you went on and did other kid things and you you you, you didn't i didn't sit with my of course i was at in, in 81 i was you know nine years eight years old and so we weren't sitting around you know a table and just talking nothing but star wars you know 
went and did other things. And then when the toys came out, you were like, oh, cool, the toys, you know, <laughs> and you made up your own stories. So, yeah, some adult who's run down by life, you know, is not going to like that movie all that much. You know, it's uh, but so, yeah, it's who are the, who are the movies made for? Because, again, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I remember us talking about, wow, is, you know, is Darth Vader Luke's father? That was, I mean, that was probably the first intense Star Wars conversation I ever had, you know, because and I remember it was on Dynamite Magazine um, in in the library. It had a big picture of Darth Vader. Is he Luke's father? You know, it's like, that was a thing, you know, That, but other than that, we just went on and did other kid stuff. Yeah, and I think uh, I could see where, you know, Empires, in some ways, I'm, I'm imagining the reaction by fans was similar in nature to The Last Jedi once a few years ago, where you're thinking you're going to get this one thing and you get this other thing completely different in tone, in style, in theme. It just Because if you look, you know, because a new hope is, you know, it's adventure, it's fun, there's laughs, there's ups and downs, and the heroes win. The Empire Strikes Back. It no, we're gonna be. It's almost like it's it's the adult version of the you know adult telling a kid, no kid, we're gonna beat browbeat you with all the lives reality. Get a job, <laughs> and you're gonna have to pay sixty percent to the government, and yeah, um, exactly. So it ends up in a dynamic where I can see where a lot of fans reject Empire at the moment because they're like they're expecting Star Wars Part Two, and they don't. And my and my. It's gonna be oh my god, and you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna let Dave talk about Return of the Jedi now, but I think my my thesis here is I'm going to say adults ruin Star Wars for everybody. Ah, <laughs> we're kind of coming to the point. I think a little bit. Um, again, these criticisms they sort they if you're listening along and you 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 haven't thought about some of this stuff before. Some of it sounds familiar from film to film. Anyway, Return of the Jedi. Thought of as too catering to the young. We mentioned the Ewoks earlier. There were significant number of fans who'd seen the first two films and had been like, all right, I'm, I'm into this and liked the turn, the darker turn that Empire took and then came along and maybe they were 17 18 years old at this point after seeing the first two films as a kid and then the Ewoks came along and the shift in tone and some of the creative decisions that George made catering to children uh, were not received as well um, and even the critics got in on the act again and I'll, I'll read you another one this one from the Daily Telegraph the appeal perhaps will be strongest to the young. The invited audience at the press show was predominantly juvenile. And I don't know if that's a shot <laughs> at the fans who were in attendance or if there were actual kids in the in the audience. But um... it's not the New Orleans rapper. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's that was the criticism, the biggest criticism of that film. I also read uh, critiques of the pacing. Once again, um, the pacing in that movie is a little intense in the back third, um, and there's a lot of jumping around. And if you're not invested, 
Uh, it can that's be some, a lot. That's some of my favorite Star Wars, though, is that Absolutely. third act of Return of the Jedi. I, it just, yeah. It's awesome. Um, and so this is a, just kind of, again, an overarching comment just about hating on things. Um, it's kind of like, I mean, I hadn't seen any of the Marvel stuff until, you know, we did our project. And I ended up now, I, I really enjoy watching the Marvel movies, but I'm not totally you know it, it there are there are movies obviously that i didn't like as much as you guys did um and here's where i think and i'm not saying you guys did this but i think one of the problems we have now in society is that you know it's it's kind of like you, you know you don't like star wars you ain't cool if you don't like star wars you don't like marvel where have you been you haven't done this what the monkey you've been doing with your life son it's like you know it's like what the it's inverse you know what what the why why are you getting on it's like i'm i'm the guy that if um and this is call it a fault or whatever if you were to you know um give me a book and say aaron you need to read this book i think you'd really like it i'm probably not going to read that book for me to i need to like see it on the shelf or hear about it and say that interests me and I want to read that book. It's the same thing with movies. I don't feel the need to be like, oh, there's a new whatever movie coming out and everybody's going to go see it. So I got to go see it. Now, I don't rebel either because it's like everybody's going to go see this. So I'm going to be, you know, the goth kids from Star Wars or from South Park. You know, it's like I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to be a conformist. It's just but however you talk about zeitgeist it's like there's something going on here you know it's kind of like when that band is playing it's like man this sounds like kind of garbage to me but everybody seems to be digging it so it's like you open up your ears and try to figure out what are they digging about it you know um so i like i said i think that's a problem right now is that we we throw a value judgment on people if they haven't seen something or if they haven't read something or they have they don't like that band and it's like, I don't know why we do that. Word mentality, it's how it's how society and humanity functions, unfortunately. Uh, well, I then, think, society yeah, right. and humanity sucks, so. Well, well that, that, that's really the underlying uh, finality of our, of our thesis statement here. But no, it's, I'm not going to disagree with you. We do it, and we do it all the time. And it's, uh, unfortunately, what's, what I find interesting is that particularly within genres or niche uh, communities, you know, whether it's geek stuff or nerd stuff, or even I see it all the time in the, in the metal community where the same people who are complaining that not enough of that music gets played on popular radio. It's not popular. It's not big complain when something like stranger things, puts master of puppets, yeah. which I'm like, it's Metallica. It's only the biggest heavy metal band to have ever existed. Everybody and their mom, you know, you know, everybody's got the black album at home. It's like Fleetwood Max reunions. It comes with when you buy a new house. So um, it's hilarious that there's still gatekeeping around that, but it's still it's going on right now. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought you wanted people to like this stuff, but then they get upset because they're not liking it the way you're liking it. You're like, it's incongruous. It makes no sense. Uh, regarding Return of the Jedi, I could the one thing I will say, you know, this is. Maybe I'm taking the Aaron Contrarian tour th uh, turn here. Uh, I could see where some people rejected this movie more so than the other two. 
there may have been some sort of fatigue at that point. You can clearly tell that some of the actors and some of the mm-hmm. people awesome. involved with Star Wars were fatigued. It was the first trilogy. Like Harrison we've Ford had. and Carrie Fisher. Yeah. 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 This this was a new concept for them. I mean, the idea of making a sequel was rare. The idea of making two sequels in a movie, you know, in a movie series that um was telling one continuous story that wasn't like James Bond or something like that was still relatively new. So so you can tell that maybe there was some sort of burnout by this point. And it's it makes it interesting that now we live in an age where we're getting multiple Star Wars a year during the year. Never mind uh, one a year. We're getting multiple a so, year. But, well, we don't feel that. Here's the other thing that's I mean, going on. I wonder that, do you think that the Ewoks... Um, because, you know, Empire comes out. I remember, you know, having Yoda in there was really... A gamble yep because the Muppets were becoming a thing we've always had Sesame Street but you had the Muppet movie and you had the great Muppet caper and you know the Muppets were become and the Muppet show and then so you got Yoda and it's like that's a gamble now in the next movie you're going to have a bunch of little Fozzie bears running around so <laughs> do you do you think that had if 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 the Muppets hadn't have been you know a thing do you think the uh the ewoks would be all that big a deal um i've never had an issue with the ewoks um never once i mean i so i do think what's interesting from the filmmaking perspective is the the creation of job of the hut which seemed like kind of a pushback against that notion um, you have this giant character that's repulsive and disgusting, um, which is very much animatronic puppetry. Um, and so I think like some of the reason that that character was presented in, in, in such an outlandish way um, was a little bit of pushback against the, the cuteness, you know. Oh, uh, that, that's just my opinion, though. And I took kind of think, I mean, to me, what's interesting, I remember seeing it as a kid in the theater and loving the Ewoks. I think the only time I ever really came around to going like, man, the Ewoks, you know, really, was when we found out that it was originally supposed to be Wookiees. And yeah. I was like, an army of Wookiees? I was like, no, no, a little whatever your old mind blown yeah, about how we could have had an army of Wookiees. That would have been badass. But... Well, okay, so this is how adults ruin Star Wars because we're going to get into the, this maybe as a good segue into the prequels because then when we finally got an army of Wookiees it was actually kind of a yawner yeah. and kind of stupid mm-hmm. um, the Ewoks were far more effective than the army of Wookiees um, but talk to us about the prequels and I still say this is where adults ruin Star Wars because now we got the kids who were our age seeing A New Hope Empire and Jedi you know they yeah. were they're our age you know now they're all adults at this point I we, told the, we're, I, we're adults and their kids are are the ages that we were when we we're watching you know the original three so and I, again i i think like especially with phantom menace when phantom menace came out people were just dead set against some of the the humor um and the characters uh, like jar jar binks um and, and it was I, just I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm interrupt because I'm one of those people not Jar Jar Binks I had no problem with Jar Jar Binks whatsoever um, I've talked about it when we you know we w- did our watch of the Phantom Menace uh, the 
the fart and poop jokes were so out of character from the original trilogy that that was off-putting to me it was like who who decided to make the eop fart in somebody's face it's like what why do we need to do that why do you have to have jar jar step in dog crap you know it's it's those were the types of things that were i i would agree with that criticism i think that's a fair criticism um i don't think it's fair to criticize jar jar binks when you think c-3po is the it was an awesome character um you know it's uh there are a lot of decisions there though that that really sort of color the whole you, you cast a young young anakin skywalker you didn't go teenager like you did with luke you went young and again like that was a creative decision that he wanted to emphasize that even the most pure of us could turn into darth vader and i get that but that was a choice that was going to appeal to youngsters wasn't going to appeal to the older crowd at all well it's kind of like our pod race pod race was another thing it's kind of like our Miss Marvel like, conversation where it's like, again, as a, what, in 1999, when, 99, when came out, um, I was, do the math, Aaron, 26, I can't really, it, I, I can't relate to a 10-year-old, you know? Yeah. And, but my 10, if I had a 10-year-old son, probably could have, you know, I would have been starting having kids early at that point but anyway uh you and you, know. you and i are speaking logically right now when, when 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 that sounds ridiculous doesn't it on the face of it based on what we were just talking about with miss marvel but that was how people mm-hmm. talked about this movie and yeah. what 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 also was being birthed at this point internet yeah so internet now we have part. now we have you know the um virtual you know coffee group where you sit around at 6 a.m and complain about the government and everybody you know um so yeah a lot a lot of what gets the most pushback in the prequels are things that are in keeping ironically things that are in keeping with the spirit of the original star wars which is like it's kind of directed at kids in a lot of ways it's a morality tale that kids can wrap their arms around and understand, right? As well as innovation and change. So it's like this yin, this this push back and forth between I want it to change, but I don't want it to change. And the changes were mostly technical in nature. It's like oh, no more practical effects. Everything is uh, everything's too shiny. Yeah, I'm, um, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm gonna you? jump in. I'm gonna jump in here real quick because I think there's a counterpoint here um, that it's kind of like um, I watched a documentary on Rush, you know, the progressive rock band, um, and when you you know when they started creating these works and they weren't songs they were works and you have an audience now following that and they're following and buying into the sophistication that you've created and then when all of a sudden you're you bring out an album where it's full of synthesizers and electronic drums and so what i'm saying here is that i think 
as you are as you are becoming more sophisticated in what you're creating your audience is becoming more sophisticated so that the next one if you do anything yeah it might be different they might be trying some different things but when you try new things that's when you sometimes fall short of of the bar that you've set and your audience because they've become more sophisticated will recognize that you know and so they'll recognize it's hey it's cool if you want to use cgi stuff but it doesn't look as good as the puppet that you used back in 1981 it's cool if you want to you know if you can do these super cuts but you know because you know of the with you know having a take from hayden christensen here and another take from Natalie portman here and merge them together but it's got it's got to have you know the heart that you know we've had before so i think yeah he was trying new things and was progress you know was progressing on some instances but i think they fell short of of hitting the target um just for the sake of trying new things and so that gets backlash then so it's like i said it's when rush then all of a sudden comes out with you know you know and getty lee is wearing looks like he's in the flock of seagulls you know playing keyboards and playing a bass that you know that doesn't have a headstock on it you know it's like that you've built the sophistication of of an audience and then all of a sudden you've just kind of taken the rug out from under them so i think you know i think some in some instances george lucas made his own bed with the prequels I also think, and not to disagree with you at all, because I don't, I also do think that part of it is simply the end result of what George was aiming for. And a lot of it was to tell the story of the prequels, but a lot of it was simply push technology further. It was R&D. I mean, We've said that before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what the special editions were all about. Was, you know, after he saw um, uh, Jurassic Park and he saw what the CGI island could do and Terminator 2, what they could do. He yeah. wanted to see how much further they could push it. And then the prequels were the natural next step, and particularly the Phantom Menace, which was the debut of a lot of stuff that became kind of common in the next decade, whether it was virtual sets, you know, splicing multiple takes together, you know, actors not being in the same room as their co-stars. So he was doing a lot of stuff that now it's like, wow, I can't believe, you know, it's like a, like, producers back in the 60s making whether it was the beach boys or the beatles splicing tape and putting it back together and looping it all around and it's like he was hoping to create something new the problem is it's almost like he got too caught up in well, using the box of tools except and not necessarily what he was building except for the i think you know i think uh it, it was you know yeah george lucas wanted to create movies that he wanted to create but i think he also had just as strong of an ambition to turn hollywood on its head and mm-hmm. to and so he would always do those things even if it would you know create something that would alienate people like thx 1138 you know it's like you know i don't care if i get an audience basically you know type of thing this is what i'm going to do um but anyway so um but no that i mean that being said i'd still say that with the prequels that it was the people of our age who ruined it because the kids the kids dug it and they're they're now right now going through their prequel renaissance you know with uh, with all these things that we've been seeing in 
with the Obi-Wan series, with the Ahsoka series coming out, and Rebels, and all these things, they're, uh, they're getting, you know, they're getting their renaissance. Yeah, yeah, and you, you can see that, and they're, um, they, they don't hold these movies in, in the sort of ill regard that um, a lot of the older crowd do. And, and they're not as big a fan of the original trilogy either. Yeah, yeah, they don't have it on the pedestal in quite the yeah. same way that that a lot of us do. And it's it stands. Um, the arguments are valid, right? When you say like, what are the biggest critiques of Star Wars in general? And it's like, well, the, it, there's the every time a new Star Wars movie comes out, what are the critiques? It's like, well, I don't like the acting. Well, the pacing was too fast. Well, it seemed like it was aimed too much at kids, you know. And it's like. All of those things are sort of emblematic of Star Wars in general, and so like you begin to see these patterns emerge, and it's like if you if you're if you're at least self aware enough to understand, it's like the prequels are just not my favorite films, right? They're not. I don't like them as much as I like the original trilogy, but I can also understand why they're not the worst things since you know you know the last plague or whatever it you know there, there are there is an audience for them and, and people enjoy those movies well and we're getting there also it, it, we're starting to, we're getting those visceral reactions of like people taking it as a personal attack that you know a mm -hmm. certain movie you know it's this is not my star wars you ruined my star wars it's like <laughs> well it wasn't your star wars to begin with you know Buddy, so just calm down it's like what how do you think do you think george lucas sat is sitting there with an enemies list you know it's like who can <laughs> who can i tick off now you know who who's who you know let's let's figure out how i can make half of the you know popular movie going population mad at me that's that's <laughs> not what that's not what he's doing well maybe those were because he's got billions of dollars but those were the message board discussions that went on mm -hmm. back in that time frame. There the, the were mm -hmm. genuine debates that people had. Like, I, I think he's trying to piss us off. You know, I really think this is a thing. And uh, it's like, yeah, well, you know, and the, and the Internet has gotten so much uh, more sane and calm since the since those days. Oh, yeah, sure. But, has. Um, <laughs> but, you know, moving on really quickly, um, the Clone Wars. um uh, massively criticized especially the the movie when it first came out um that was a dud at the box office everyone I, I, mostly hated it i've said it before um, i had no interest in seeing a star wars cartoon had no interest yeah. and that i did i did rebel against i just didn't want to go see it it wasn't i didn't think it was a dumb idea i just i had no interest in seeing a star wars cartoon and that was old aaron you know that was old man aaron talking I'll go back to what we were just uh, saying repeatedly over the course of this episode. I didn't think it was for me, right? Um, I was 23, 24, 25, something like that. Um, it's like, this is not for me. I, I kind of, I kind of got mad. It's like, because we always, you know, we always talk about the, the star Wars, you know, um, well, when we were in a, the desert, you know, um, it's like if you're gonna make something, why are you making a cartoon? Please just make a live action movie. You know that's that's where I was. It's like if you're gonna put the time and dollars into this, why are you doing it as a cartoon? 
um, that, that was my reaction at the time. You know, now I, I dig them, you know, and it's like the Clone Wars. I also think um, the TV series, I think, flew under the radar um, with a lot of Star Wars fans, quite honestly, except for the kids. I mean, again, the pre the kids who grew up, the prequels, they were all into the Clone Wars and they are still that is their bread and butter. Um, and I finally just made the choice back in 2015, I think, just to uh, I'm gonna watch it. And it dug it, you know. So, I think with a lot of the criticism, a lot of the hate that Star Wars got, what I'm, what it's interesting is, it's when we get out of our own way, and just let it be what it is. That's when you find the enjoyment. It's when you know. It's kind of like you were saying about the expectations that people put in your head, Aaron, about oh, this is the funniest movie since Caddyshack. The fact that they're hitting you with that puts a certain expectation that okay now i you know whatever it was i gotta measure it up against that whereas when you take yourself out of that and just let it be you can find things to enjoy in it and you know it might be all right yeah yeah and like the the thing about this series again it's like we've talked about it uh, several times it's like it's it's probably the whole thing taken in its entirety. It seems a little big and it, there there was some bloat, maybe some filler episodes. We talked about that. Um, So some of the critiques are fair and it's not chronologically Um, the way it lay, the way they, the episodes lay out. It's weird, but it just, it was very much, I think you nailed it uh, on the head there when you were talking about how, you didn't think it was for you or we didn't think it was for us. Cause it was like, well, why are you making a cartoon? Uh, this is not for us. Um, and it's really kind of, I think it's kind of an important moment in, in star Wars in a way, because it does represent a shift from trying to bring in the biggest possible audience that we can to more of a storytelling mentality. I'm just going to tell some stories and some people will like certain parts of it and other people may not like this episode, but they may like this other episode. They may like this character or that. Um, and, and when we talked last episode, I think Fredo, you talked about that being very a comic book mentality where it's like, I don't have to, see every i don't have to read every run of a character i don't have to follow every character uh for the crossover events i can just focus in on this the sorts of things that appeal to me personally and this is sort of a turning point um for star wars in that way um previously it was big budget blockbusters and 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 now it's more individualized storytelling we didn't even get into the eu which obviously really was probably the starting point of a, of a lot of this in the mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s and 90s um you know we've but... uh, we've talked a lot about the sequel trilogy so i don't know how mm-hmm. much we need to dive into that one you know one of the i <laughs> that was such an interesting thing when the force awakens came out because you had a chunk of people who were like oh this reminds me of you know the original trilogy this reminds me of what Star Wars, it reminds me of Star Wars, you know. Um, then you have people who say, man, this is just hopelessly derivative. This is, you know, <laughs> just a rehash of the. 
and that uh, it it was you know I don't know why anybody would want to make a Star Wars movie anymore. It's like <laughs> because you are not going to you know you're not going to and and it's also so frustrating when the very the very people who are complaining about the movie when it comes out are the people that when they see the trailer and they see the Millennium Falcon, they see Han and Chewie and they see TIE fighters and they're like, Oh, this looks so awesome. And then the movie comes out and they're like, Oh, it's just a little rehash. It's like, you just saw a desert planet, the Millennium Falcon. You saw all these things. You didn't see anything new and you were so excited about it. And then you see the movie and you're so mad because it's derivative. So I, I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's, it's just really frustrating. And then poor Ryan Johnson, like, I think is one of the more <laughs> bold creators um, and just gets annihilated. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, you but, know, but, even but rise the of- criticism, but the criticism is coming from those kids who really dug the prequels. It's their turn now <laughs> to, but, but it's actually them and some old fogies like us. I think the old fogies uh-huh. were split down the middle because I was with them until, the rise of Skywalker and the rise of Skywalker is just kind of a meh thing for me now. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, it's fine. You know, but, um, my criticisms is like what you have written out the, the storyline is not, you know, good. Um, it's not, you know, it's not cohesive. Um, you know, everybody being related to everybody, you know, type of a deal. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, a lot of that is valid on you know on the surface level it's like this is like i don't like it and these are the reasons why i don't like it and that's all very valid um i i just think like what's interesting to me is that you see a through line through the history of, of star wars which is generally speaking a critique of something that's always been there um and I guess, like going back to the, the my my main point, and we can sort of begin to wrap this up a little bit, which is just that I think no matter what, people hated Star Wars from the very beginning, and people are going to hate Star Wars, and people are going to dislike things, are going to critique things, and just look at YouTube. Take five seconds, and you know, type in whatever your favorite star Wars property. And you're going to get 70 videos that pop up that uh, are talking about how awful it is. Right. But I don't think you can let any of that just ruin it. The experience for you. I don't, I I think it's a very dangerous road to just sort of let those sorts of um, outside criticisms, color your own thinking. You're you're a hundred percent. You're hundred percent correct. I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's what yeah. I do. Um, it's uh, <laughs> um, it's like my friend before the last before he went to see, take his kids to the last Jedi. He called me. He said, "Aaron, I'm I'm taking the kids to see the last Jedi, and I'm reading all these reviews, and I'm really and I'm really worried." So it's like I think, and it's kind of like me now. It's like right before I went and saw Thor: Love and Thunder, they said it was the best Thor movie ever. You know. So I think I, I kind of wish that critics, you know, reviewers, I wish there could be some sort of, you know, moratorium, at least for let it, let the thing go come out for like a week 
before it, it should just be natural law that you cannot opine on a new newly released something you know for at least a week let it let it get out there and breathe a little bit um because now before i go to see anything i'm gonna have to stay off of you know off offline off twitter because those types of things as much as you say you can't let it get in your head it does get in your head because yeah, like if i if i hand you something and say eat this it's going to be the best thing ever you know that that has implanted something in you or you're not going to like yeah. that it's crap oh well Aaron's usually right about things that is going to be crap it implants something in you and um and of course it's kind of like our you know remember when the news was literally just you know reporting on what happened and not opining and people have you know with all due respect like i said you have a journalism background but there has there's a uh it seems like we have lost the ability to just report of what it was there's always some opinion part to it you know in whatever we report and it's even not just as professional reporters but if i report to you guys hey aaron how was that movie you know do you want my opinion or do you want me to you know so anyway i think as much as you say you can't let it get into you it does and i think that's another thing is that we all have to again i've said i like how dominic on uh star wars underworld podcast his reaction is whenever somebody says how's the new star wars movie it's all right he just gives kind of a middle of the road, you know, so as not to hype somebody up or totally bring somebody down. So it cuts both ways. You know, if you're talking about like this stuff affecting a, some person's enjoyment it's like, well, OK, somebody telling me something can affect my enjoyment. But me telling somebody else something could affect their enjoyment as well. So I think like that's something important to bear in mind as well. It's like, I'm going to just slag this movie. It's the worst thing ever. Or I'm going to rave about how great it is. It's like, you have the potential to impact other people's enjoyment just by doing something as simple as that. Well, and why, um, why can't, sorry, why can't we just, it's like, I, I don't enjoy watching soccer. Fredo loves it. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think it's not a, a and I do not disparage soccer, you know, around any of my friends who like soccer. It's like, that's their thing. It's not my thing, whatever. You know, a lot of people like it. I, I, it's not my thing. Maybe someday it will become my thing. Who knows? But it's like, I, I don't understand why people, again, it's one of those things. I don't understand it. So I'm going to throw a rock at it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll hush now. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, you know, kind of like we're saying, it's human nature to want everybody to like things the way you like them. It's also human nature to reject, to push against that mindset and almost come out in a very negative anti-position. Again, the best example I can give that's not related to any geek or genre product is Titanic, which is a romantic movie, historical movie that just happened to become the biggest box office event of the 90s and you know 
there were as many detractors at My the time. My only criticism of that is that damn hanging, song. Right? Anyway, go ahead. Well, well but, but that's just, it was not just the movie, it was the song. If you recall, there was a moment where they were saying Leonardo DiCaprio to play Anakin Skywalker, and lots of Star Wars fans were like, how dare, no, no, we don't put that pretty boy in my Star Wars. It's like, dude, you know, Harrison Ford is like a you know, movie icon, and he was in your Star Wars, but again, they were, people internalize a lot of their art and a lot of their uh, favorite things, and they almost want to build... As much as they want everybody to like it, they want it, They want them to like it the way they like it. And the fact of the matter is, not everybody, nobody's going to do that. You and I like the Saints, but that doesn't mean that we're going to like it the same way. You don't like soccer. Hey, you know, that means you don't have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to catch a match halfway around the globe. Lucky you. The closest thing to a consensus that you'll get about Star Wars is that the original trilogy is great. Um and and then maybe Rogue One, right? Oh, Rogue One is wonderful, um, but it's like that's not the only opinion to have, and I think like that's an important thing to recognize too, because it's like, yeah, a lot of people may feel that way. A lot of people may actually just firmly believe that to the you know the depths of their soul, like the original trilogy is so much better than everything else, but I. If, if anything else, one of the things that I wanted to illustrate tonight was simply that, like, that's not universally the case. The critiques of Star Wars go back to the very beginning. Um, and it's okay not to like it. Um, it's okay to be snobbish about it. It's okay to just say, well, that's just not my thing. Um, but <laughs> just don't let anyone ever bully you about this stuff and make you think like well my opinion must be wrong well because a, it's not and that's the thing is i always come back to is that value is not the same thing as liking mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean we all recognize that there's art and movies and music that may not necessarily appeal to you but that doesn't necessarily diminish its quality of its value it's just it may not be for you and that's fine i think once that's part of the process of growing up when you recognize one there's things you're gonna like that nobody else is gonna and that's cool but that also that that also makes you an individual that makes you unique the the tastes that you develop are made around you and it's fine to hold on to them without necessarily getting either upset that other people don't like it or demanding that everybody likes them because that, all that does is going to create pushback and you know well and it's mature and I'll, my final comment here is I think it would be kind of, I mean, let, let's also be honest in that um, from a, you know, in, in all of movie creation, the Star Wars, let's just even take just the original trilogy or just the first movie, A New Hope. It is not the best thing that's ever been created. Those criticisms, those are accurate. The acting was kind of bad in some places. You know, the pacing was kind of slow in some places. I mean, there you could we could probably sit there and do an episode of 10 reasons why they were right that it shouldn't have won an Oscar. You know, just because yep. just because I really liked it and just because it was innovative and different does not make it, you know, of high quality, you know, all, overall. So uh, and I'm just it, so 
like I said, it's, I think we also get into that. Like I said, value is not the same as liking. We, we, it, it works both ways it's because I like it so much that I've put so much value on it. And I think that all the critics are dumb because they can't see it. You know, I don't, um, that being said, I love star Wars. I always have loved star Wars. It's like a warm blanket to me. Um, and puppy kisses. It's just, you know, it's awesome. So, yeah, I know. Just to finish up, it's, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the good thing about it, I mean, one of the things that I always recognize is Star Wars is like any other piece of art. It depends on me, how I experience it and how I internalize it. That element. And look, I, we all have our Star Wars stories about what we did after we saw it the first time or who we played lightsaber duels against and what was the first piece of Star Wars memorabilia or stuff that you got or the first book that you did. And it's, and it's not just the elements of owning something or seeing something. It's the shared experience that comes along with it. It's the, hey, I went with my brother to go see Return of the Jedi. And it's, hey, we, we stood outside Toys R Us in May 1999 because everybody wanted to get all the toys the first time out. And, you know, you grab something just because that was part of the experience. It's yeah going to Galaxy's Edge. So it's all part of that. And I think it's always good to remember that, yes, there's a piece of art here that exists, but it's how you make it your own that defines it. And it's perfectly fine to defend that while acknowledging that everybody's relationship to that art is going to be different. And theirs is just as valid as yours. I, I love Star Wars. I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys weekly talking about Star Wars for an hour every week if I didn't. And uh, I always want to keep that like in mind. Like there's, there, there are times where it's easy to just sort of lose sight of that. Um, you don't have to love it all. You, no, no one ever did. Um, but uh, I think it, I think it's worthwhile reminding yourself of that once in a while. And I don't think it was designed for kids. I think it was designed to be fun. Mm -hmm. it was designed to be fun it wasn't designed to be an academy award winner it's designed start the new star wars thing is first and foremost supposed to be fun and the only thing that's going to keep you from having fun is you so Very yeah much. um so anyway well tell us how you hate star wars on twitter <laughs> <laughs> um and you, can hey, say, hey. you can save all that hate um but uh yeah so uh um, so I don't have any good tagline in, <laughs> so, cause we don't want you, but I guess you can maybe, uh, let us know on Twitter what you think or on Facebook, what you think about, uh, when you're growing up with star Wars and how you dealt with the haters and things like that. Um, but until then we will see you next week and we will say who dat, who dat, who dat, and have a good week, everybody. My